In these lessons, I will attempt to penetrate your mind. You will attempt to resist. Prepare yourself. You two better change into robes. I expect we'll be arriving soon. Straight out of Hogwarts, crazy motherfucker named Dumbledore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I started like that. Uh, I like it a lot. <laughs> up, Potter fans, up, hotheads. It's me, Jack O'Shea, with me as always, Jackie New. How you doing, baby? Alive and well, feeling good. Uh, super excited for this chapter. I've had this one circled, ready that, to go. That is correct. Today we are finally getting to the game known as Quidditch. Today we're also going to basically be dedicating, we'll go through the summary, we'll go through all the other little business affairs, but... The question section is just going to be completely devoted to the game of Quidditch. Mm -hmm. We'll reference the chapter and stuff like that, but it's just everything's Quidditch-focused. Exactly. This is where we're going to cover it. Because uh, that's what it's about. That's what it's all that's about. That's why we're here. That's what we're here. That's why, what we want to talk about, and that's what I think the we, people We've held off until about. now to poke holes at, yes. at the broomsticks and the, and the sport. Uh, Knowing and, that, and now we're ready to go. And and let me get this disclaimer too. I think mm -hmm. we we gave this notice on the last podcast as a forewarning coming into today. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is probably going to be the harshest we ever are on a Harry Potter chapter. It is from here on, mainly because we are just sports fans, and we also just love the structure of games. There's nothing more infuriating than when you're playing like monopoly with a bunch of people who have their own like you know back home rules mm -hmm. and they're like no 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 but when you land on this for the second time you get 500 dollars. and it's like get the fuck out of here with that that weak ass bull you can't just make up random shit there's the why that <laughs> there's a reason why the rules of the game were made it's in order to make it fair like what's it what's that one game um there's that one board game where it's just complete luck uh, I mean, a good amount of them are just complete luck. Like at a certain point, Candyland's just complete luck. Yeah, right? like Candyland. Yeah. Where when I'm playing Candyland, I'm like, all right, yeah, you you won, or like, yeah, I won, but I don't feel like I won. I feel like I rolled. Yeah, the there, there's no strategy going on here. Not to say that there isn't some measure of strategy in Quidditch, but it's just absolute nonsense and contrasting rules, and and six wasted players. And so we'll get to <laughs> that. But first, do we have any uh, sort of business to take care of? Uh, usually, yeah. Usually we would, this section, uh, we'd start off the top with, uh, Bryce's corrections. Uh, no Bryce's corrections? We got no Bryce's corrections from this week. Uh, in his defense, he did just get that promotion. Oh yeah. He did get promotion. So, he's now the president of the United States. Yeah. So I'm sure he's a little bit busy, Bryce. He's tied wink, up wink. And, and, and we get it. Mike and, and Bryce, I look forward to like four weeks from now when you finally get your, your, <laughs> your, your head out of the, like in the sun, because you've been working 24 hour shifts. I'm excited for your lengthy email. I can only imagine this is like a student who puts off all of his midterms or all of his uh, projects till the last day. And he's just like, you have the worst day ever. But it's the best day ever because it's Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, hit this summary. Hit the summary? Okay. Please. Or before, uh, do what you do. Do Get, what I do? Read us in. Serenade us with your beautiful right, let me speaking just, voice. Let me just pull up the chapter. Chapter 11. Quidditch. <laughs> chapter 11. Quidditch. As they entered November, the weather turned very cold. The mountains around the school became icy gray and the lake like chilled steel. Every morning the ground was covered in frost. Hagrid could be seen from the upstairs windows defrosting broomsticks on the Quidditch field, bundled up in a long moleskin overcoat, rabbit fur <laughs> gloves, and enormous beaver skin boots. <laughs> he is quite the outfit. He's you know, warm. His He's beaver, bundled. His beaver skin boots. How many beavers do you think it takes to make a boot? for him i don't know the size of a beaver off the top of my head i'm gonna say 2.5 beavers okay <laughs> i i know generally i know what class of animal size it belongs to what class of animal size similar it to, to a badger 
I think they just sound alike. I bet you they're so different in size. I think they're pretty close. Henry's they're... nodding along saying he, he also was calling that bluff. But before we get no, on no, to no, the no. tangent, we are like the tangent surfers. Road. We're Laird Hamilton's of tangents. <laughs> we have to be wary to stay off them. It's Quidditch season, and who are Harry and the Gryffindors playing in their first game of the season? That's right, the Evil House. To get himself ready, Harry borrows a book about Quidditch, only to get it confiscated by Snape on some bullshit technicality that you can't take books outside. Come on! Throughout all this, Harry notices that Snape has a limp, and hears Snape talking to Filch about the three-headed dog. Suspicious. The game starts, and Harry and the Slytherin Seeker go after the snitch. Midway through the game, however, Harry's broomstick starts going out of control. Hagrid states that the on- that only dark mark. Sorry, Hagrid states that only dark magic could make a broomstick so hard to manage. Which, let me just say, is the most ridiculous thing in this entire chapter. <laughs> Half of wizard school is learning how to make shit move with your mind. That's insane. That you need dark magic to to move a broomstick. Come Hagrid, on, one of the the few examples of an expulsion at Hogwarts. Yeah. Not known for his, he, his he, studies. He is more later. Regardless, <laughs> Hermione notices Snape whispering some stuff to himself as he stares at Harry, thinking that this is one uh, that he is the one fucking with Harry. She sneaks through the stance and get this, lights his robe on fire. Can you imagine that being your first instinct? This guy is meddling with this uh, game we like to play. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna almost kill him. I'm gonna set him ablaze. I'm gonna that'll distract him. <laughs> What, what are you going to do next? Shoot him? <laughs> It'll definitely keep his mind off the game. Just then, the spell on Harry's broom is broken. Suspicious. And Harry regains control and catches the snitch. Harry, Hermione, and Ron tell Hagrid that it was Snape who bewitched Harry's broomstick. Hagrid brushes that off, asking, why would Snape want to kill Harry? Which is the second most ridiculous thing that happens in this chapter. Hagrid then goes on to accidentally tell Harry and Hermione and Ron that the three-headed dog's name is Fluffy and that the thing... The dog is guarding is a secret known only to Albus Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel, which is another example of he was expelled. It's starting to make sense. He doesn't have a full education. But one thing that I really thought of is, okay, he said only Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel know about it. If this happened today, they would be able to find out what is being hidden almost immediately. Almost immediately. Just by Googling Nicholas Fumel, Albus Dumbledore, and whatever pops up. Quick smartphone, Google search. Yeah. We're there. I mean, granted, they just have to go look in the library so they can still find it and they still do find out like what it is. Like saying Nicholas Flamel is even like the thing is too, Hagrid, are you saying that you don't know what's in there? Because the fact that Nicholas Flamel is involved she'll let you know it's the sorcerer's stone he doesn't really it's have... just a fact that's the one thing he's really known for right he's like an alchemist that just that's he's an alchemist that's like his mi- big thing what there's nothing else where it's like he also invented a uh, toothpaste that's always I mean, refillable I, but in his defense it's a pretty big thing it's a but, pretty... but but to the point yeah absolutely you just gave up the fucking game and but he also <laughs> says like the way he Rubius. says it makes you think that Hagrid doesn't know what's in there he's like I don't know what's in there. Only Dumbledore and Flamel know what it is. Well, if Nicholas Flamel knows what it is, then you know what it is. Yeah, you know, in the movie, he comes off just a little bit more careless. In the movie, it seems like he knows what it is. In yeah. the book, in that's the book, where I was though, like, okay. he, he is a little bit slowed down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who's to say? He is punk giant. Okay. <laughs> movie differences. Uh, movie differences. There's a scene in uh, which Harry, Ron, and Hermione are huddled around in a little. Uh, with a, a little pocket fire that Hermione has uh, mm-hmm. in the courtyard. Uh, and Snape is shown limping and then eventually sees them all huddled around, assumes they're up to no good, 
uh, shown yelling at them, and then uh, takes Hermione's book about Quidditch that Harry was reading, uh, as well as five points from Gryffindor Mm -hmm. in this whole thing. That uh, scene never happens in the movies. Uh, And then subsequently, and this was explained in your recap, Harry later goes back to ask for it only to see Snape mending a wound. Uh, He explicitly says he got from the dog when he's talking to Filch. Filch is handing him Band-Aids, and he's like, the damn thing, he's got three heads. How are you supposed to keep an eye on it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, by the way, is so much more showy than the movie is. The Mm -hmm. movie, the only thing you get of that, you get, you see uh, at dinner, you see a gash, you see a gash in his leg when they see him with the troll. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. And then later, when he's like, he gives him shit at the in the great hall. He's shown limping. Kind of. That's how they kind of show the limping thing. Mm-hmm. But way less here. In the in the freaking movie, they're giving him to you. They're making Snape the bad guy. Yeah. It's like, it's unbelievable, and it's unbelievable too how subtle it is, with uh, with Coral. Like it's literally mm-hmm. like when uh, Hermione sets uh, Snape on fire. Mm-hmm. They say just one line, and Hermione was so uh, focused on doing this that she didn't even notice poor Professor Coral and accidentally knocked him as she like moved under the bleachers. Yeah. And it's like fucking a there you go they're just making quirrell seem more and more like the innocent by mm-hmm. being like oh and he got bumped into he's the innocent bystander yeah uh, son of a bitch uh in the uh in the movies snape wishes him luck that never happens in the books mm-hmm. but he does it in such an obviously sarcastic way that it's just it's unbelievable it's pompous it's lame and it's above it should be beneath a hogwarts teacher good luck uh Harry. Wood's pump-up speech uh, is a little different in the books than it is in the movies. Uh, so? This one I actually do want to talk about, even though we're only going to talk about Quidditch. Uh, he doesn't give his uh, hospital story to Harry. In the movies, he basically is just like, uh, he's like, you nervous, Harry? And he's like, yeah, I was that way before my first game. He's like, what happened? He's like, I don't really remember. I took a bludger to the head, woke up in the hospital mm-hmm. three weeks later. Uh, in the movie, or in the book, he gives a speech to the whole team that Fred and George just immediately give him shit for. Mm-hmm. And it's the weakest speech of all time. It inspires nobody. It is a freaking Andy Dalton-esque, just lame powwow. Yeah. If you've ever seen Andy Dalton give a pump-up speech. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. When when your entire team... That, and you know what? I kind of... Uh, I'm excited to get into it. Can we just get into the question now? Uh, you want to just skip the rest of these? Yeah, we can do that. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. But I, I was just going to say, remind me to talk about how... The Seekers kind of like the quarterback and the differences between that. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Uh, just, I'll, I'll motor through these. Mm-hmm. A lot more crowd involvement in the books. Uh, their sign that briefly shown in the movies is super detailed. It's mm-hmm. like uh, Hermione had this enchantment on it that made it change colors. Uh, that's the Harry for President sign that I'm referencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Thomas, again, making a couple soccer references. Uh, and Neville is shown crying in the stands, which is classic what? Neville. Neville what? being Neville. What a baby uh marcus flint the uh captain of the slytherin team uh hit him with his broom rather than hitting him with a bludger in the movie mm-hmm. he takes the uh he like takes the thing out of the beater's hand and mm-hmm. hits the bludger at him which we'll talk about is not allowed uh okay and then uh lee jordan's commentating uh is a little more controversial in the books in the yes. movies he's actually a pretty sharp commentator in the yeah. books he, he lets it hang out there a little bit think brent musburger growing up as a kid who Obviously, now we're making a podcast. I, I very much related to Lee Jordan. I remember watching that and being like, how did he get that yeah, gig? That uh, is the gig. That is the gig. Uh, but he, he ends up comment, commenting on uh, Angelina Johnson's uh, looks and uh, is also just clearly a Gryffindor fan. Yeah. Just doesn't even try to hide that up. It's like when you have like uh, who, who's uh, Joe Buck is a Cardinals fan. Everybody's always giving him shit because he's always – 
I guess like pulling for the Cardinals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't really notice it all that much. It's certain like it's uh, who am I thinking of? Who's who's on with 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 Shannon? Uh, Freaking Dallas guy. Uh, uh, Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless. Skip yeah. Bayless is such a cowboy fan. It's the most obnoxious thing. And Just I, every time he has to stand as a fan, either in defense or not ex- in support of him. Exactly. And in uh, well, he's Dallas's guy, but uh, but he's on a national program. It's fucking exactly. Ridiculous. And I remember like listening to Dan Patrick show because there's a. Uh, Dan and the four Danettes. I assume we have a very similar listenership and that people will really relate to this, but listening to it, they talk about like their teams and stuff. And like, uh, Paul is a Chicago guy. And like Fritzy likes the Broncos. I don't know if he's from there or whatever, but for the rest of them, they kind of all pick teams where they're like, yeah, this year I'm going to be a, a Royals fan, but they do it beforehand. It's like, who, who do you think is who, the who, who are you riding with this year? Okay. Who you riding with. And they don't really like, uh, you know, what's his name? Dan grew up like a Bengals fan or whatever, but mm-hmm. he's not a Bengals fan now because when you become a national sports figure, you kind of have to lose all biases, which is like, that sucks. But at the same time, it, it's the it, job. It would suck if you were listening to this national program and they were only talking about two teams. Yeah. You yeah. want to, you want to be a diehard fan, do the regional radio stuff. It's like listening to anything right now when they talk with the NBA, because it's like, unless you're a Cavs fan or a Warriors fan, or a Lakers fan. They're not talking about your guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Back to Harry Potter. Whoa. Here we go. Now we get to destroy the sport that is Quidditch. Okay. Uh, here are the questions. Right mm-hmm. out of the gate, the uh, chapter opens up uh, with now uh, the seasons are changing. It's mm-hmm. getting cold. There's frost on the ground. Hagrid's now uh, wiping frost off the broomsticks. Mm-hmm. Why is this uh, the season for Quidditch? If there's any sport that would need good weather, in my mind, mm-hmm. it is a sport that takes place in the sky. So I totally agree, <laughs> uh, especially with, you know, I can only imagine the cold winds. It's it's windier the higher up you go, guys. Yeah. Uh, I can. That's why turbulence and planes. But uh, <laughs> I the, the answer to that is I don't think there's a particular season. I think they don't start it at the beginning of the school year. They kind of wait until the teams are set and they can have the tryouts and they can practice. And by that time, it just happens to be when it's getting cold. But they never mention specifically, like, we got to wait till it's winter. Yeah. And they play through the spring. Like, the weather, it's it's just so not. It's kind of got a long baseball season to it. Yeah. Weather's just so not, you know, what they're, they care about that it's not like, hey, it's raining, we can't play. Although at a certain point, they do get rained out. Yeah, and it's also the case where I'm like, you have no other sport. It's not like you have a fall and a, a spring sport. So I get I get that it's not uh, according to that. So maybe, mm-hmm. okay, the first just few weeks of the term are just like preseason, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the term is the Quidditch season. So the whole thing, the whole calendar is devoted to that. We also have to keep in mind a couple of things. One is that England has a different school timeline system that we went over, I think, in like our first or second or third they're podcast. like a progressive private school they have like but also just, more breaks but but yes, shorter breaks exactly yeah. more but shorter breaks and so there's that and also check out a map with uh the parallels mm-hmm. uh the, the oh it's it's up there it, you forget it, it's past maine it, it's past maine it's like in canada ter- territory yeah. is where england is so it's like yeah it's cold as fuck there we're down here at 40 degrees North of the equator, living life. That's where Greece is, baby. Yeah, we are. We are just. It is hot. <laughs> it is. It is. It is smoky hot. Um, 
Yeah, so that's the answer to that. There you go. Bang. Still just ridiculous to me that it's like, it's Quidditch season, baby. Yeah. Why? It's the opposite of flying season. Uh, here we go. They uh, start to get into the rules, uh, which I'm actually going to have to backtrack and quote some things uh, from last chapter mm-hmm. that were explained uh, to Harry by Wood. But I'm going to start out with this that was discussed in this chapter. Uh, it said there are 700 ways to commit a foul mm-hmm. and that all of them uh, happened. There was an example of each in the World Cup match of 1473. But we only had one penalty in this game that we saw against Slytherin and Gryffindor. So I, I looked this up. I did a lot of research for this chapter because I was just fascinated by Quidditch. Because that would make you believe either the World Cup match of 1473 was an absolute bloodbath where people were carried off on stretchers and that Gryffindor and Slytherin are two of the most disciplined programs you've ever seen in your life. So They are very, <laughs> very, very disciplined. We will not... We might not be better than them, but we'll be more conditioned than them. Uh, <laughs> Just you know, Herb Brooks methodology. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so there's 700 rules. 90% of them can be uh, are covered with one rule. You can't use your wand. You can have your wand. They mentioned that, but you okay. can't use your wand while you are playing Quidditch. So... That gets rid of 90% of the rules. Okay. <laughs> Big time umbrella. Good. The other 10% of the rules, uh, they say, would not occur even to the dirtiest player. So I don't know what that means. I feel like that's kind of a generalization. But if it's something that's like it wouldn't occur to even the dirtiest player, it must mean like physically hurt, like killing someone in creative ways. In creative ways. Really, really <laughs> hurting them so basically i'm embarrassed with the ways i've just come up with right now exactly so basically there are 11 rules in quidditch and i'm going to go over each of them really quickly okay because most of them have a pretty similar uh comparison to like regular sports one is blagging so this is basically the same thing as holding you can't go and grab a player uh by the broomstick by their their, no blagging no blagging that's that's called blagging blocking (laughs) which is the same thing as blocking in, in <laughs> basketball. You can't block them as they're, as they're trying to get by. Okay. Uh, can, you, can, you, can you take a pick? If, you, if you're keeping your wand set and you're there in time outside the restricted zone. I believe so. I think it's very similar to basketball. Okay. I also wrote down a bunch of ways where basically Quidditch is a combination of basketball, soccer, bird hunting, hockey, and cricket. I saw hockey with the players, with the one goalie, the five mm-hmm. players out there. That's I have yeah. that listed down. Yeah. It's basically the same thing except for having the seeker there. And then you just have a fucking wild guy who's playing a completely different game and the only game that matters apparently. Exactly. <laughs> Cobbing, which is the excessive use of the elbows. So I feel like – I think that's like comparison compare, – that's compared to like a minor – uh, infraction in hockey where it's like that's like kind of like cross-checking so we have no blagging no blocking and now no no and no uh cap cobbing no cobbing flacking which is the exact same thing as <laughs> the exact same thing as goaltending the exact same thing as goaltending somebody throws the quaffle or as we just call it the ball <laughs> through the, the net and you grab it while it's going into the net and your hand goes through the net Okay. Goaltending still counts. So not really a penalty as much of a like, nope, they get the point. Uh, snitch nip, which is when a, a non-seeker catches the snitch. Ooh, okay, because I had that question later on. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I'll, I'll get to that when we get to that question. But interesting. I wanted to know that. That's one thing. Pretty much every position, you're not allowed to shift between positions. So that's the difference between soccer 
except for goalies and hockey, except for goalies where like in hockey, you know, a defense, a defenseman and, uh, you know, the left wing can actually kind of switch if they feel like it. They can go to the Yeah, yeah, sides. it's all fluid. It's all fluid. It's kind of, you know what it's like? It's kind of like uh, football where, like, linemen. Yeah, are, yeah. Except and, for specific And you're ineligible and, like, shit ineligible. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's also, it's a little bit uh, lacrosse to it where it's like, like, I guess you can exchange, but generally, like, defenders can't go on this side of the line. Attack can't come on this side. You know what I mean? Exactly. But it's also, it's similar to, because uh, let me get to it in a second. Blatching uh, is the same thing as charging. Uh, you can't deliberately run into a player. Okay, good to hear. Um, blurting, which is locking brim handles to another player to steer them off course, which I think I mean, I'm sure there's a rule in hockey that's basically the same thing, which is but it's, hooking kind of. But even that is the same thing as blagging, which is holding. Yeah, so, they're just, they're like two different rules because I guess you can hook with your broom and you can hook with your. It's hands. hooking. Yeah. Hooking's the right word. To, yeah, right word to put It'd be it. Be holding and hooking. Yeah. Blurting, which is I just said that one um bumping which is hitting uh <laughs> bludgers towards spectators that's another rule that i'm sure there's a name for in pretty much every sport which is like you can't you can't go run our test you and, can't and attack people who are watching charge the, the seats yeah don't really know why there's a name for it <laughs> B- bumping bumping that sounds haversacking <laughs> which is essentially uh you can't dunk the ball you have to throw the ball okay you can't uh Put God, it, put it through. You that'd have be a to toughie for me. That'd be a tough adjustment. Especially when I'd it's be like, trying to have her sack all day long. You're on a fast break, but it's like you can just do a layup. It's like when they told Wilt Chamberlain you That's can't true. dunk, so he was just like, "Okay, I'll invent the sky hook and I'll do some layup." Actually, that was Kareem. Wasn't Kareem, it? same deal. Right there, both great Lakers. Yeah, both great <laughs> rich tradition. Uh, quaffle po- quaffle pocking. This is <laughs> this is said in the internship <laughs> when they play. Do they no quaffle pogging. <laughs> they said that. Yeah. <laughs> this is to keep players uh, from throwing a spitball. Essentially, you can't manipulate the ball. You can't uh, change the ball so that it, it flies differently. Okay. Or does anything differently. This okay. is also the same thing as like deflate gate. It's the, also the ball is the ball. You can't. It also sounds a little bit volleyball. You can't uh, open hand tip. So it's like a little bit like that where you can't like manipulate the ball, like more so than no, adding like a substance to it. Like you can't like. No, it's it's specifically substance. Oh really? Oh, okay, so it's, it's like okay. It's specifically changing the orientation of the ball. Okay, good deal. Um, but manipulation can mean two things. So you're right. Stooging, more than one chaser entering the scoring area. This is basically the same thing as offsides. So off that, what I was gonna say is, it's like soccer. In, as far as like, you can't be a goalie unless you're the designated goalie. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go stop a ball, but you can't. I don't know how they really distinguish it. Like, there must be an area where the defenders can't go in there, so you can't really play goalie. But if somebody throws a ball, you can intercept the ball. So mm-hmm. you are, in theory, being the goalie. Just as in soccer, if somebody kicks the ball, you can run in and kick the ball, uh, but you can't catch it. Whereas, like, in hockey, you can do everything that a goalie can do to stop it. You yeah. just don't have the pads to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you know, lacrosse, you're, you're just being really ballsy getting in, yeah. in the net. But it's play <laughs> hockey, so it's time, for, it's time to die for those. Uh, Anything for the cut, man. Exactly. So it's super similar to all of these sports. To basketball, it's also similar. Uh, after a goal is scored, I was interested. I thought maybe the the ball, once it goes through, automatically flies to one. No, they go and basically they, they the goalie picks it up and then they throw it in. Sort of like when you score in basketball, the opposing team, they get it and they, they throw it in. 
inbounds. Um, the game starts. Here's another similarity to basketball. The game starts with a jump ball. Yeah. Um, by the way, which is kind of interesting. It's very women's lacrosse, that jump ball. It like makes no sense to me. It's like, yeah, you know, like where who's to say where the line is, when when the guy started on the line, all, all that. There's no guy jumping off the ground. We're suspended in the air. It's kind of similar to the XFL thing, too, where it's like you have to <laughs> run and get it. Yeah. And it's like you could get really hurt doing yeah. that. Um, the uh, when the ball, they have out of bounds. Okay, which I assume is designated by the arena, even though they kind of fly outside of that in so, the movie. So some of the balls, it seems to me, and I no, nothing told me any different. So the snitch is kept in bounds by spells. Wow, they can't leave because the snitch is trying. Snitch is trying to avoid things. Yeah. I can only assume that the bludger is as well, because part of what the bludger, the the whole point of the bludger is that uh, they are. Uh, trying to keep it away from their team and hit it towards the other team. So a yeah. big part of it is keeping it away from their team. So in theory, you'd think that there would be a lot of bludgers where they're like, we have the best offense. I'm just going to try to get this thing the fuck out of here and hit it as far out of the arena as possible. But it just kind of boomerangs on you, right? Exactly. And there's no rule that says you can't do that. So I assume that the bludger yeah, using logic. it must be. Hagrid, I'm using logic. You should use logic, Hagrid. <laughs> uh, the, the bludger, I assume, is, is kept in magically. But the quaffle, I think, flies wherever it goes because uh, they're basically going to go chase after it to get it. So if it goes out of bounds, the opposing team gets it, much like yeah. soccer uh, and soccer and uh, what's the fucking other sport we keep mentioning? Basketball. Uh, basketball, yeah, and a little hockey. Not hockey. Hockey is like bludger and snitch because they. Have I see because it's the face, it. but but then it becomes the face-off if it goes over the thing. It's not if a it throwing. Does, you're right. It's, it it's, it's a jump ball. It's not a. You're, they don't have. Right. They yeah. don't have magic ways to contain it. But for the most part, hockey, it's it's contained. Um, so there. Thank you for the rules right yeah. there. Good to know. Uh, obviously we've got seven players, three mm-hmm. goals. Uh, we described the positions. Uh, here's now where I want to start talking seeker with you. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, a game of Quidditch. This is a direct quote from the book from, uh, the last chapter when Harry's taking his lesson with wood, uh, a game of Quidditch can only end once the snitch is caught. Yes. So that's a fact. Yes. So I'm going to say the next one now, because of that, a game once went three months long. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck does anyone else play Jack? Well, here's the thing too. If it went three months long, the rules of Quidditch, and these are kind of contradictory because in one of the books, in Goblet of Fire, they mentioned that they needed other players to uh, – they need to get uh, subs in there be- so that some of the players could sleep. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, in you'll notice when they start playing Quidditch, there's nobody on the sidelines because the seven players you start with are the seven players to play the entire time. If they get injured, they're injured. Which means very soccer e too there. I guess I guess in soccer people are kind of subbed out, but like a red card scenario where you can be man down. Yeah, it's, you know, it's closest to yeah, like that. It's kind of closest to baseball, only in the sense of if you're subbed out, you're out. But it's yeah, not because okay. you can sub people in. Yeah. Um. Or basketball, how sometimes there's like three players because just of ridiculous foul out scenarios. But so if you get hurt or you stop playing, there's six guys on your team. Which makes you think either one, it makes you, the, the issue with the three playing for three months thing is <laughs> that means that they played continuously for three months. Yes. 
which doesn't seem physically possible. No, it feels difficult. It also feels uh, on the players, the fans, everybody involved. It also <laughs> seems like at a certain point you have to be like they have terrible seekers because the seekers couldn't end the game. Yeah. Um. So, so and I mean the, the issue with that too is like if you know and it happened to Harry multiple times where he gets knocked out of the fucking game. They just forfeit then. You almost? lose the game. Yeah. Because and you you might as well just forfeit. Because it's like we'll just be out here all day until this guy fucking catches it. Yeah. You guys just have this one. You guys got it. Uh, before because in in the movie the way the point system works because they show you the scoreboard. Yeah. It's 150 points. I know that when you catch the snitch. Yeah. And you get 10 points every time you score with the quaffle. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, the fucking 15 scores the quaffle equivalent to a catch the snitch. Yeah. So it's basically a race to that many points and ordinarily catching the snitch mm -hmm. would end the game, but not always. I'm also going to say this because so in basketball, you, when you, when you uh, shoot a basket, you get two points, shoot a free throw. You get one point per three free throw. You have a three pointer. Uh -huh. Okay. So that's a good example of how we can get the points to be as small and divisible as possible. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes with football. You know, there's three points for a field goal, two for a safety, six for a touchdown. Then you get one for the extra point. extra points. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, you can say like, well, you know, in theory, you know, everything could be one, two or three, but the ratio is set. So yeah. it's like, no, a field goal is worth half of a touchdown, mm -hmm. but it, it all comes down to essentially what is the lowest possible score you can have. Yes. And in every sport, it should, in my opinion, always be one. Uh, tennis, they have their own fucking thing sort of going. The most ridiculous. That might even be worse than Quidditch. Quidditch is yeah, it's probably worse than Quidditch. Even just the way it's titled. It makes sense structurally. It's just why the fuck are we calling the things we're calling them? Because you should <laughs> just say one, you, you played a five, Yeah, right? you, you four. You play one is 15, two is 30, 30. three is 40. Yeah, you played a four. Four is the thing. Yeah, so you yeah, played a four. You played a four. And then I'm okay with deuce and add. I'll sure, play that all day. I, get, I yeah. totally get that. Use your fucking terms. Call it, call <laughs> it love or whatever. But in, in Quidditch... It is such an even ratio of 15 to 1. It kind of drives me nuts that they count by tens. Like, go call it, you know, they scored one, one to nothing. And it's 15 points if you catch the snatch. Why we're going to 150 seems just grandiose to me. It's, it's nonsense. It seems it's nonsense. It seems absurd. And then the, you know, kind of going off of that too, like you were saying, 15 points. So uh, Oliver Wood says, you know, the whoever the majority of times that somebody catches the snitch, the team that catches the snitch is the team that wins. Now, that's also partly because if you're down by, I'm going to say 16 points instead of 160 because it's ridiculous. If you're down by 16 points, you might not want to catch the snitch because you'll catch it only to lose. This happens actually once in the book, but they do that because it's like the, the seeker. Whoa, Vic, interesting though. Victor Crumb knows that they're going to lose and they're going to get slaughtered. Okay. So he catches it to end the game, to sort of just save face. But if you're down, why would you ever catch the snitch? So there's a little bit of bias there. That's why the team that catches the snitch usually wins. Interesting, though, that it's not just a guaranteed win. It's the, You get the points, and then we see where we stand. But if you think about it, like, it has to be a slaughter. Slaughter. 
absolute slaughter. In which case, the seeker is your entire team. Yes. Which is something that we're going to be getting back to a lot during, throughout this podcast. The seeker is the entire it's game. The only, it's the only team. The other guys are out there just to keep fucking meat in the seats. Which is just kind of crazy. And it's sort of similar to the three-point shot in basketball, which is like, it's cool when you're watching Steph play because Steph hits just absurd shots, mm -hmm. absurd three-pointers. But if the team that the way basketball is going right now where teams are just starting to sort of put everything into three pointers, but you still only hit, you know, 35% of your three pointers. That's not really fun to watch people miss a fuck ton of the time. Yeah. So it's kind of like, maybe we should get rid of that just to get more dunking and more like actual basketball. Go back going. to early two thousands, bring back the diesel. Who is going to, you can go to the game to, you know, because you want to watch the regular game of Quidditch and not focus on the seeker. But the seeker is the game. But yeah, you're you're, you're watching nonsense. You're watching what you're what you're watching a distraction is is a distraction. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's reality TV. Um, here's another fun fact about the sport. Mm -hmm. Refs don't have it so easy. No, refs have been known to vanish and wind up in the Sahara Desert months later. What what's going on here? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it seems a little excessive feels like there's some organized crime unit that's fixing scores and they're fucking taking refs roughing them up and leaving them in the most isolated place without water <laughs> it, it also seems like every other sport has more than one ref tennis has one the guy is seated he can see both sides there's one ball it's easy to follow he's basically just calling outs and even then the pros actually call their own outs yeah the guy is just sitting in a in a lifeguard chair for for the heck of it. <laughs> in every other sport, there's more than one ref to cover their particular territory, and in every other sport, it's a lot slower. And there's one ball. It's kind of nuts to me that there's only one ref. They're gonna miss some shit. They're gonna miss quite a lot of they're, shit. They're gonna miss the hands down majority of stuff. You can't follow every player. Think about how fast this sport moves. How are you watching any of this? Also, that as one guy, what are you even doing? There's four <laughs> balls. It's a, it's it's a, one of the few truly three dimensional games. Yeah, players can not only move left, right, forward, back; they can also move up, down. How on earth can you cover this game? You can't. You, you can't. Is that kind of the like? You get six guys out there though. Are they just in the way? What do you mean? Like, I feel like you know how often like. In well, football, because we have the center judge. We have, yeah, the, we yeah. have the guy that's kind of dropping back by the linebackers. Which is hilarious. Like, there's so many times where that guy accidentally fucks up the play. Where, yeah. like, kind of uh, draw through the middle, he, like running back runs into him or well, something I, like that. I, I hit so many when I was yeah. playing in high school. Shit like that happens all the time. Because the refs aren't the athletes. Yeah, basketball, it'll happen all the time where a, a pass will go kind of Aaron and just go off a ref. Yeah. And it's like, well, they're in play. Fuck. Yeah. I wonder if that would take away from this nonsense game. But I think you do it like you do tennis or you like you do NASCAR. I'm sure there's like 20,000 refs. Dude, you're so right. Right. Track, just, just put them around. Yeah. Just put Watch. them in the, Yeah. And then, and then we call them out from there. We'll have one person in the thing that throws the tip. And you, Madam can, have, Hooch. And you can have one person really, really high up. Yeah. Just kind of looking down to catch the middle stuff. And he's over the seekers kind of. Yeah. Yes. Although he can't be over the seekers because they're darting around. 
That's true. So here's a little interesting Although fact. Although it said Harry's just hovering around as that was he and Wood's game plan. Here's a little interesting fact, and it's why I compared when I listed my comparison of sports to uh, bird hunting. <laughs> you want to know how the snitch started? Give it to me. So there's a, a popular uh, sport, or it used to be popular, and then, then PETA got all over it, was <laughs> snidget hunting. So basically the like chief warlock in the 1400s was watching a game of Quidditch because it was actually it was 1293. Okay. Watching a game of Quidditch because it was getting pretty popular. And he announced before the game, he had one of the Snidget birds, which is essentially, I can only imagine, takes its uh, name after the snipe, which okay. is why we call them snipers because they dart around. They're right. really small. So somebody who can hit one is a sniper. They're a really good shot. That's why we call them that. The more you know, welcome to Potheads. Uh, <laughs> the Snidget bird, I think, is the magical version of the snipe. And he said he would give 150 galleons, similar to the number of points, which was a lot of money back then. He'd give 150 galleons to the uh, player. doesn't have to be one seeker. The player who can catch and kill the bird <laughs> during the game. So sure enough, throughout the game, uh, they relied on the crowd to, to bounce the bird back in with repel spells. Um, throughout the game, none of the players actually played Quidditch. They just were all trying to catch this, this yeah. bird. The bird actually in that game, uh, nobody ever caught it because one uh, player in the crowd, one person in the crowd who felt bad for the bird, summoned the bird with a summoning charm and then released it into the wild only to get fined 10 gallons by the... Yeah, absolutely. What the fuck, guy? But by the end of that game, Snidget became a part of of Quidditch. They figured out, okay, we want to still keep on playing the game, but this thing's so fun, we got to include it. (laughs) This explains why the Seeker is just such a ridiculous part of it. Um, it's 150 points because that's the amount of gallons it was worth, I guess. I can only assume that's why they did it. Uh, and they would have a snidget in there. And then ultimately PETA got all upset. Snidget sure. was becoming endangered. So they were like, no. And they, this one guy invented a, uh, a, uh, snitch. And that, that's how that became a part of it. I don't have this written down, so I'll cut mm-hmm. you some slack on how well you can rip this guy back to me. Uh, why do snitches have flesh memory? What, what is the point and benefit of that? The point of it is because there's a lot of debate when people catch it. Uh, who caught it first? Oh, okay. So if two people catch it at the same time, who caught it first? The snitch will be able to tell you the first piece of flesh okay. that touched me was that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it was him. Snitch don't lie. Prove. Snitch don't lie. Um, uh in, in terms of my Quidditch questions, that, that, that's it for me. But there's just so – there's a lot of it, – it all comes down to – and I think it all comes down to it's a really cool game if there wasn't the, sne- the Seeker at, uh, part of it. And by the way, throughout this podcast, I'm so sorry. I have to re-say every word because half of the words start with S and the other half of the words start with SN. So I keep <laughs> on wanting to call him a sneaker <laughs> and I keep on wanting to call it a sitch. The sneaker catches the seeker catches the snitch. Really confusing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's if it there were if it wasn't that, what would our complaints be about the seeker and the snitch? Would we have any like, or what would we have? What complaints? Would Honestly, we have about if it if we could just even out the ratio of points a little bit, I'm fine with all the positions and and how the game is played. Mm-hmm. It just can't be the snitch can be worth more. A, a lot more, but not yeah. that much where it's completely monopolizes the game. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Like outside of that, I like I, I'm fine with the three goals. I'm fine with the amount of players. I like that it's played on broomsticks. I I think what I would do is I would I, I like I like the uh, the snitch thing too. I like that it ends the game. I think it, I'd have it be worth no points. So that, interesting. You get so a just defense in the game. Yeah, because whoever's winning is going to be diving for it. Whoever's losing is going to be trying to distract him. Yeah, or, or or get in the way or or keep you away from the snitch. And also now, you know, there's a sense of urgency to get points on the board. Yeah, there's a real sense. So there's an inherent, like, even though it's not timed, there's an inherent kind of clock in there. There's a constant competition. Yeah. And if you have a, and it also opens up to, like, because right now, I was going to say, uh, what coming back to the, the quarterback thing, the seeker is essentially the quarterback where it's like, if there's one, you the seeker's also kind of like the pitcher too where it's like if there's one player that just determines the outcome of the game mm-hmm. if it's a shitty pitcher it doesn't matter how good their hitters are if it's a real if it's the worst pitcher in the MLB they're going to get clobbered every fucking this time this is just a fact of sports if you don't have a pitching staff right now you're not you don't have a chance to win the world series you if just, you don't have a super bowl winning quarterback you don't have a chance to win a super bowl you don't have a chance the only examples outside of that are the baltimore ravens two super bowls in the 2000s outside of that every super bowl winning quarterback has been a fucking Super Bowl caliber quarterback and and the only other thing I would say about the 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 big difference between that though is other than the Ravens uh you still need even if you have the best pitching staff in baseball even if you have Tom Brady Tom Brady doesn't win every year yeah or Andrew Luck is supposedly this (laughs) unbelievable quarterback prodigy but because he's surrounded by a bunch of bums he (laughs) he can't he can't win if you are the best seeker ever, your team wins every fucking time. Every it, time. It can be a bunch of tourists on those damn broomsticks. You will win the game. And that's like a huge problem with the game. You know, they call uh, – who do they call the cheat code? Uh, Durant? Or who do they call the cheat code? Henry? Who do they, what basketball player do they call the cheat code? Is, like Giannis maybe? No, he's the Greek freak. There's one, there's one basketball player that they call the cheat code where you're like, he's not the cheat code. Steph is the fucking cheat code because Steph. We talked about this forever, right? KD, but and uh, yeah, he's he's six eleven, really seven one. Kevin Durant's the cheat code because he's six eleven and he can shoot. He can kind of do it all. So is Dirk Nowitzki, Um, or he was. Uh, Steph's really cheat code because it's like, hey, he can hit these really hard shots every time. You're the cheat code. If if you are a really good seeker, you just win the game. It's just over. It's just done. It's like, and, it's like having Charizard. And it stands down. Time. Nothing else matters. So really, like, you could have the best fucking forwards and bludgers and keepers in the world. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean shit if your guy can't catch the ball and yeah. you play for three months. Eventually, the other team will come back. That's why. What an interesting move that Malfoy was able to buy his way out of the team in the second one. Yeah. As a seeker. Yeah. Like, he... And what an interesting move to make Harry, who's never actually seen a game of Quidditch before be the most important part player on your team, hands down, not even debatable, the most important player on the pitch or whatever the fuck they call that thing <laughs> in, in England. <laughs> the most important player by far when he's never even seen a Quidditch match based on one look at him uh, on his first shot in a broomstick, based on one shot of him. Well, it was a hell of a grab. It was a hell of a grab. Did I, I, did I tell the story on this podcast of when I kicked a field goal that one time? <laughs> no, or, or did it kick up one time? We're, we're, uh, oh, oh, this is the you did the onside kick well, where it's like you like knuckleballed it. Yeah, well, you just told the fucking story. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. So I'll tell the story. Uh, no, so yeah, we, we were kicking before the, uh, we started uh, one practice off. I think it was a senior or a junior. I'm not a kicker. I was a linebacker. Hell yeah. Roll Tide. And uh, Why Roll Tide? I don't know. I just want to say something football. And we're, and we're you know, starting off with special teams. And I just dicking around, kicked a ball. And I kicked a ball that went not that far, but it was like the least catchable ball of all time. I basically kicked a knuckleball. No way they could catch it. Our special teams coach, who's now the principal of our school, uh, said like, hey, O'Shea do that again and i was like no way did i find did i reinvent the game of baseball and sure enough i couldn't do it again and they never tried me out again that's very similar to when harry put on the broomstick or or got on the broomstick he made one like pretty sweet grab and they're all of a sudden like he our entire season is resting on him who was the backup plan who if it was they didn't have one if it wasn't going to be him like what was Gryffindor's season and looking they are, like? They were already weeks into the school year. They are, didn't have a guy. Th- this is this is when uh, you know friggin' uh, Drew Bledsoe went out, and they're yeah. like, "I guess we'll try Brady." And and uh, fucking Wood even says uh, in his little pump up speech, he's like, "This is the best team we've had in years." That's there's no way we're not going to win. It's like, how is this the best team you've had in years? How because you got you, you, the only guy that matters. This is the first time he's going to see a Quidditch field. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this could be the best team you have in years. It's not fair to say that this isn't, this is a terrible team. You don't know yet. But the point is, you do not know. He might be terrible. He might be good. Who knows? It's in his blood. It's in his blood. (laughs) Um, uh, Anything else? I could rant on this forever. I could. Uh, Let me see if any of these other questions have any relevance to this. I mean, Uh, yeah. Because I do think, I mean, I think if... If you get rid of the Seeker's insane importance, I think it's a really interesting, fun game. Uh, this is kind of this is, this is not a Quidditch specific question, mm-hmm. but it's related to what took place between the chalk lines. Uh, is what is Quirrell's motivation behind jinxing Harry's broom? Is that just just total vengeance? Just, Dude, I don't know. Just Voldemort doing that because what is killing Harry Potter getting you right now? I don't know. I never understood that. Because it's just got to be Voldemort in his mind then just being like, we killed the boy. It must Yet be. Voldemort fucking offers him, he says, join me. Exactly. That's the only reason why I'm not sure because yeah. it still seems like Voldemort's like a little bit unsure. Yeah. He probably at this point, this must have been, he told Bro, like, kill him if you can. Yeah. Or maybe he was just like, I'm a Slytherin fan. <laughs> win the game because again again that's so good that's totally what happened because again though what we've their their medicine is so good yeah if he falls he's good and we got a resto memento ready for him and it's like yeah if the game was so dangerous that harry falling at that point was would, would sure fire kill him then the like then they wouldn't play the game I, I by the way, I uh when his broom is jinxed, it said both Weasley boys tried to come and like pull him off his broom and like rescue him with their broom. Weasley's a good stock. Good stuff. That's like yeah. fucking the dudes pulling Nikki Lauda out of the burning car. It's just Seriously. like respect to you, bro. Yeah. You don't need that action, the, yet you're doing it. They're putting themselves above the game. This uh, is Bob Lee with outside the lines. <laughs> you don't like Bob Lee? I love Bob Lee. I love Bob Lee. He looks like a, a guy named John Speedy. <laughs> who we went to school with. I doubt John Speedy listens listens to this. 
or even <laughs> remembers my name. But he looks like John Speedy. Ah, uh, there you go, by the way. There's chapter 11. That was Quidditch. Let me look. Was this our longest one? It might be our longest one, but I, this is the one that, like, if I going back and re-listening, this is one I'll, I'll listen to the most. Yeah. Just because we do break it down. We did break it down pretty well. I think we nailed it at every point. Yeah. Even to the point of the refs who are just getting dropped off in Sahara months later. The, the bludgers are also one aspect of the game that, like, I was – the only thing I could compare it to was hockey, how you have some guys who, how a part of the game is knocking people out more, yeah. more so than, than football. Cause football, they're running plays hockey. You're kind of roving. Yeah. But you, you don't have, have enforcers. You don't have, you have enforcers, Yeah, but the enforcers aren't always on the ice and they're not only specifically trying to, they're within the scheme too. It's in, not like they're just fucking going completely rogue. They're uh, also trying to score. Yeah. Bludgers, they're not trying to score. They are only focused on this one ball. Like, uh, you know, what's interesting though, hmm. is if let's say your seeker sucks, mm-hmm. there's only two ways then to win a game mm-hmm. or, or there's only one way to win a game if your seeker sucks. And that is to take out the other seeker. Yeah. So then all of a sudden the bludgers could be kind of important. If you had just the fucking bash brothers, knocking seekers out left and right i guess that'd get a little dangerous we all of a sudden have a fucking saints bounty situation you kind of but but that's part of the game it's like part of the game is to hit them at the other people you're totally right i mean like you in in theory if i was coaching quidditch which by the way i think i'd revolutionize the sport (laughs) i think i would completely revolutionize the sport where it's like all right our entire game we have a keeper we have our chasers our chasers are only playing defense Mm -hmm. our chasers are just Literally just trying to keep them from scoring. That's it. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing the, the Princeton Square offense in basketball, <laughs> where it's just about holding on to the ball for as long as you can. There's no time limit to holding on to the ball. We're passing back and forth the entire time. Our bludgers, are, their entire job is to support the se- – is to remove the other seeker from the game. Our seeker, his entire job, go after this niche. That's our plan. That's and I, it. And I think I am essentially the Greg Popovich. Of, I think you go 15-0 and 0 in your first season. Uh, I think you, I, you you single handedly take a, a team that the Hufflepuff squad that had no cha- chance in the House Cup and mm-hmm. just with their athletic achievements. I think we lose like the first three games because my team's still sort of getting used to this play. But mm-hmm. then once we have it down, you, like it's Moneyball. Once we have it down, the the game's never the same. No one else can even compete until they start adapting it too. And then and then it's an entirely <laughs> different game. Maybe one that people are willing to watch. Okay, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you got a spell for me? Ah. Uh, I don't right now. Um, what's no? We just said one. Arresto momento. Thought you were leaving without saying goodbye, did you?